Hey, this is William Sullivan from the Mutual Noise Podcast. As long as it's not being broadcasted, like, (laughs) they'll be like, man, they don't have their shit together. (laughs) Today we'll be interviewing Will and Chelsea, two of the co-founders of Mutual Noise, uh, which is a musical lifestyle brand that creates community and educational tools for songwriters and music makers of all kinds. All of us at Mutual Noise believe that making music will make you happy. Since I introduced myself, uh, my name, you have all heard, William Sullivan. Uh, I am going to uh, talk about origins and like inspiration, the things that uh, got us into music, where we first heard music, um, and how we you know, came to either be musicians or just make songs in general. Um, so one of my uh, very first experiences, and this is a question that I will you know, relay to Will and Chelsea as well, um, I can remember exactly the first time I heard a song that I fell in love with. Uh, it was um, my first real musical memory was Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Um, and uh, that was just the first song that I ever uh, remember liking and asking my parents uh, incessantly who sang it, why, you know, when was it made and uh, all those other things. So that kind of uh, set me on that path. And I guess I'll just ask the same question of you, Chelsea, first of all. Do you remember <laughs> when you first heard or uh, the first song you heard and when you first fell in love with uh, music for the first time? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever fell in love with a song, it was on an eight-track player at my grandma's house. Um, my grandma was the president of the Elvis fan club, and <laughs> she had every Elvis thing you could imagine but she taught me to dance to the song the wonder of you in her dining room and I got to put the eight track in and and that's that was like my first musical moment where I felt like like I understood that it was music versus just something playing in the background that was very awesome awesome <laughs> That was a uh, song and dance, apparently. It was song and dance, yeah. yeah. It was a full so, experience. Yeah, performance. Mine was just <laughs> like, you know, probably a slight nod of the head, maybe an early headbang or something. <laughs> uh, but that was about all that I could probably muster. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, uh, you know, leader of the Elvis fan club uh, taught you that yeah. song. I mean, maybe so, I didn't really like it and she forced it on me. I don't know. But I remember thinking, this is good. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> well, do you, do you, Will, know any... Uh, uh, the other people? Will? Yeah. <laughs> the two Wills, mutual noise. I know. Yeah, all right. Uh, I could be... <laughs> mine is probably... I remember being in my living room uh, as a kid just playing with toys and my dad had a Joe Cocker album. And it was, I don't remember what song it was. I just remember hearing his voice and really liking it because to me, you know, at the time I would probably just be like, oh, it's like sloppier, but (laughs) you know, there's better words to describe it now than I'm an an adult. Uh, But I just remember really liking the way it all sounded together. And yeah, I'm going to, it was probably like Delta Lady or something, but um, yeah, no, I thought that was a really cool feeling. Nice. Well, I guess that kind of bleeds into the next like question I would ask y'all, which obviously you had music around the house uh, and your parents kind of influenced it. And that seems like uh, 
something that probably a lot of people share, um, you know, whether your dad had LPs or eight tracks or your mom had, you know, something going on, uh, playing around the house. Uh, some of the first things that we probably hear are from our parents. Um, and that was probably true of me too, but I wouldn't say that I grew up in a musical household by any means. Like I think most of my listening or the stuff that I wanted to listen to and the stuff that I ended up liking uh, ended up being outside of that influence, more coming from the radio, like Rock 101K, LOL, or something like that. Um, but I do remember my mom liking R.E.M. and the Fine Young Cannibals, which are very nice. opposite. <laughs> kind of band. I don't know. And then my dad kind of listened to like everything I was listening to. So he, I mean, he had his own stuff and I ended up getting into the doors or, you know, other older bands from his, you know, years, younger years. But uh, uh, he would listen to like the Smashing Pumpkins with me or like 311 or some, you know, like kind of earlier, you know, alternative and 90s bands. And I remember getting Nirvana CDs and that was maybe a little too much. I think that was like explicit by like my parents standards uh, so. but yeah that was yeah that was uh you know so it seems like we all kind of had at least some sort of you know parental influence uh, as far as what we first heard and listened to um which kind of also goes into my you know it's part and parcel to the next question which is anyone in your family musical uh there is no one in my family that is musical and so when i picked up a bass like it was kind of without a paddle and uh my but my mom was nice enough to be like okay well I'm giving you six months of lessons and good friend John Trout wanted to play guitar so it's like we just took the same teacher and learned together so oh, how about awesome. you guys? I remember this <laughs> yeah. yeah I know right we're 14 years old and I knew what bass was enough to know that it was in a band and not like anything else. <laughs> but I was like, okay, you know, at least we have a guitar and a bass. And then our other friend, Jonathan Slaughter, bought a pair of, you know, bought, or not a pair of drums, <laughs> two drums. <no. laughs> he bought, two he bought, of drums, please. <laughs> yeah, he got, yeah, two djembes and we started like, yeah, <laughs> some uh, exploration music. No, it was, um, no, he, he bought a drum kit, but he never really, took to it as well as we did but our teacher could play anything so it was cool so we kind of had a full band even in our lessons you know and that was a great way to learn but yeah no one in my family is musical um but it seems like you know there might be some music in y'all's I don't know Chelsea do you did anyone play an <laughs> instrument in your family well specifically we uh, the third co-founder of this company is my uncle who is <laughs> a musical genius um, Uncle Brent Uncle Brent Right. He is a yep. he's a jazz guitarist. Um, I mean he's he's an everything guitarist. He's phenomenal, and and he's the one who bought me my first guitar when I was in high school and um, changed my life. Mm -hmm. But when I was younger, I always I was always a musical kid. I mean everything I did revolved around music in some way. My dad had a drum set in my grandma's house I remember but I don't remember him actually playing it kind uh -huh. of I do and then my uh my grandma Leona she played piano so I started playing piano when I was in um I think first grade or second grade and um yeah and that's kind of as far as actually playing instruments 
my grandpa always wants to play the guitar. He's like amazing. He's like a giant big teddy bear and has baseball glove hands. <laughs> and so it's always been hard for him to hold a guitar. But <laughs> yeah, that's like, I have a very small family. So, so my uncle and, but my family was crazy into music. I mean, I was the only kindergartner who was listening to Alice in Chains. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Regularly at home. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, it's same. Dad, dad, and I listened to Alice in Chains as well. That was another one I thought to bring up. But yeah, <laughs> but it, it it sounds that yeah, it sounds like at least if if I mean you you were you know exposed to people's playing and you know within your family and took even lessons early. But you mentioned your dad's drum kit. It's almost like at least you had a visual of like what that was. Like, yeah, I remember not even having like. I, I, I'll never forget when I, I didn't know what cymbals did in music. Like, I always thought they were really, really loud. And, like, none of the songs I listened to, I was like, they aren't this loud. <laughs> so, as a kid, like, I had no idea, like, what are they doing with those things that make a lot of noise? Oh, my God. <laughs> it wasn't the drums. Like, I thought the drums were cool, like toms and snares and all that. But cymbals, I was like, ah, oh, that's, what the hell? It's funny. <laughs> and, uh, because I played piano, <clears throat> which then led me to be a percussionist in middle school right. in band and then in symphony orchestra. And I have this really funny memory of I was supposed to play the cymbals and I had broken all of my fingers, got smashed in a car door. And oh. I was supposed to play the cymbals, <laughs> like the crash cymbals <laughs> at the Christmas concert. But I had these braces. It's like a Brady Bunch episode. <laughs> I have these like splints on all my fingers and you have to hold them by these leather straps. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. There's actually, I mean, there's think of a few bass players that actually use like tools like that. Like they put like popsicle sticks on the end of their fingers to get like a slapping noise oh. or something. You know, and <laughs> I should have done that. I should have told them so, I'll just play the bass instead. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that might have worked a little bit better. <laughs> You're just innovative with back in yeah. the day. That's yeah, a you're, sad you're story. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's really cool. I mean, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. I mean, he, you know, he had his fingers ripped off in a machine accident right before, like, he decided, like, this is the last day I'm going into work. Me and Black Sabbath and Ozzy and Geezer and all those guys are gonna start the greatest. At the time, they're probably just thinking blues band. Uh, but yeah, he uh, was on a machine that he did not know how to use. And he decided like, well, at lunch, he was like, all right, I'm just going to leave. But his mom was like, oh, no, Tony, you go back and you finish, you know, you finish your day. Like, you know, <laughs> you, if you're going to quit, you're going to at least work the full day. Yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, and chops. I know I did a terrible like I was like, oh, man, I should do like an accent from Birmingham because that's where they're from. But I don't <laughs> really know how to do a drummy accent. <laughs> they just really kind of elongate certain words and yeah i'm like that's the only thing i know about you know that accent but anyway that, <laughs> so he ended up yeah losing his fingers in like a machine accident or the tips of uh, a few of his fingers i forget exactly which ones but of course he was devastated he you know every time he tried to play guitar even after it healed it would hurt and so some guy made him some sort of like fake fingers with uh well, he kind of fashioned them with like industrial glue and stuff. And so 
And then he down-tuned his guitar, which created like a darker sound. So it'd be easier to manipulate the strings. And anyway, yeah. So. I had no idea about this story. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, Black Sabbath, yeah, kind of, you know, come it's it's a lot a lot of weird things kind of happen to make you know them you know sound the way they sound because yeah it was like he down tuned the strings to like make them easier to you know fret and stuff like that with his you know new kind of like prosthetic fingertips that he made and uh yeah he looked at Django Reinhardt who um I forget exactly why he was inspired to play uh, because i think he himself had like a similar issue he only had use of like a few of his fingers or something like that and he was able to play guitar masterfully so yeah there was a lot of things but yeah tony iomi black sabbath industrial accident you know made sabbath sound (laughs) at least (laughs) more down-tuned you know (laughs) but yeah that's a total aside Um, (laughs) what about yeah I mean, if we're talking about like taking up our first instruments, you said, you know, I said bass, Chelsea said piano. So, Will, were you just singing karaoke <laughs> and doing mic or something? What was like? What were What were you doing? <laughs> um, well, my dad always had the, the guitars around. Um, he had, I didn't appreciate them at the time. Um, he had a really nice Gibson Dove, or he still has it, uh, and. Uh, 1960 something i don't know the exact exact year but it's a 1960 something fender telecaster like that <laughs> banana colored one mm-hmm. and it had oh. a whammy bar and i thought that was just super cool um so i was always playing around on those um never really knew what i was doing uh i looked at some chord books that he had just to try to get into it a little bit um mm-hmm. but i just really liked making the sounds I, I at the time i didn't really necessarily care about the learning part yeah um, and yeah no, I, I, I would say probably the guitar um and shortly after that like i found a harmonica one day and i <laughs> decided to do both um <laughs> and haven't really touched the harmonica since but it's fun to play on yeah i mean i've i've never really been able to do the harmonica either so um you know i do have a friend that has one of the you know he, he can do both as well and it's pretty cool it's like Neil Young or something. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea and I, we had a, our uh, first dance at our wedding. It was with, uh, uh, I always forget how to say his actual name. Dustin Kinsaru. Kinsaru. I never pronounce it right. <clears throat> um, that song, Pistol, uh, he's got harmonica and acoustic. And, you right know, on. It always sounded cool. So, But there, that, was our, that was our first dance as a, as a married couple. We're married, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, know we're married, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we're not married to Sully, who yeah, is the, I the was, host of the podcast. I, I was kind of like a bridesmaid and a groomsman at your wedding. Yes. So <laughs> lots, lots of good played pictures. Multiple, <laughs> played multiple parts. <laughs> we we need to put some of these pictures out with you in it because you're like you're hanging out in this barn with an Orioles jacket, and it's amazing. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, I was. Well, I mean, and and you mentioned something. I don't know earlier, Chelsea. You said something about your like. I think it was your grandpa. You, you said baseball love or baseball glove. I didn't baseball glove hand. Okay, hand so his hand was like yeah, you got big mitts. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I wanted to interrupt 
a little bit ago because I was like, I thought I heard baseball love, and I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, oh, yeah, baseball love, like his hand was like a big mitt, you know, or yeah. something. I could that could be cumbersome in playing an instrument, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I bring that up because yeah, baseball fan. So I have you know, and I have family in Frederick, Maryland, and Baltimore Orioles. And actually, it was kind of cold at y'all's wedding, so like I brought that jacket as a precautionary uh, <laughs> you know it's a nice starter jacket with those big like you know spaceman <laughs> style like you know materials and it's puffy sleeves and all that so yeah heck yeah hey, i totally uh, forgot i wore that though i'm glad you guys remember because I, I i totally forgot yeah to i guess probably to tie this uh podcast a little closer to music with our wedding um we had some uh, some fun musical guests there. We hired a, an Elvis impersonator, right? <laughs> and um, I don't know if you guys have uh, not you guys as the people I'm talking to right now, but everybody who's listening to this, if you haven't heard of Shaky Graves, um, definitely go check him out. We got lucky and just happened to uh, kind of know him when we lived in Austin, and he uh, played our wedding, and then shortly after went off and got a lot bigger, and you know. We probably couldn't afford him anymore, but <laughs> he's he dominating. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's dominating so definitely go check him now. out. <laughs> yeah, we had we were we had three different musical guests at our wedding: Elvis, Shaky Graves, and we had an amazing Carrie. DJ Carrie yeah. McGraw from who was in Wild Child back then. And we like music. <laughs> we like music, yeah. And at the time, right. we ha- we had already um, started creating what started mutual noise before that was it was chord posters we were just called 98 chords and we were making uh chord posters based on um chord families for songwriters to be able to just quickly get inspiration and that's what everything has been based from because my uncle the musical one in my family he spent almost a decade curating all of these chords with his actual genius level <laughs> mind. <laughs> and he is no dum dum. Yeah. And, and yeah, so we, we were already working on this project then, which was now seven years ago, yeah. which feels <laughs> bad to <Yeah>. say. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it can be, uh, it can, it can be challenging. I mean, music, you know, can take a while. Sometimes stuff comes real easily. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, compiling all that stuff together, it's it's a really awesome tool to be able to have all those chords at your disposal because, like we've already kind of mentioned, sometimes we just, like, see a chord book and don't know how they relate all together. And, like, in my case, I mean, playing bass, which, and, and all bass players, I think, should do this, and we get into this whole thing of why I think bass players from the 60s and 70s were the best another time, but it's just, <laughs> like, they they knew chords and they knew like, you know, all the notes to play within them, not just the scales or the root notes or the octaves or anything. And so I remember as a, you know, wanting to just, you know, kind of be better and faster and like play certain, you know, things. I was like very riff focused and like, and Steve Harris is a wonderful bass player from Iron Maiden, but he does a lot of like roots and octaves and maybe not, you know, every single chordal note that you need and so it was like yeah i mean having a having a tool like that can kind of open open up your playing whereas you know i'm just writing the trooper over and over and over again that same riff you know (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah i mean that's uh i guess like you know uh, tying into that 
um, you know, like learning an instrument, uh, do you think it was like difficult or do you, I mean, some parts of it were of course, but did you have like a natural sort of knack for it in some way? Like you could kind of pick up a guitar and sort of say, at least I kind of have like a handle on this. I, uh, I'll go first. Um, it was actually pretty natural for me. I don't think a lot of people know it because what's not natural for me is to play an instrument in front of people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right. I have a real, real issue. Like the moment people are around, I, my hands kind of lock up and it's a, it's weird, but I, I have extremely long fingers and <laughs> piano, like <laughs> piano was, came really naturally to me in the beginning and, kind of all of it did I just I just have a stage fright issue and the yeah. stage fright could be like my mom's in her bedroom <laughs> she might hear me playing yeah. and I get nervous <laughs> which is something I'm trying to overcome now um, but yeah and for I've always been very good at like sight reading and reading music has been that came naturally for me also which is probably the opposite of will <laughs> oh yeah i don't know if it necessarily came natural to like play anything um mm -hmm. i just i and still to this day i just like making you know beats and sounds and making just to me making it sound good um yeah. and i don't know there was like a chunk of time in college where um i was a super cool guy i never went out because my uh my best friend and roommate he had a uh, keyboard and they you know they would all go out and i'm like ooh, i'm gonna play around with this for hours and like i would yeah. sink in and um try to replicate like you know explosions in the sky or godspeed you black emperor type songs and just yeah. know, it was fun to me um i didn't always necessarily know what i was playing i just like the way it sounded he's he's being um he's being not truthful about it not being natural will is the person who can pick up any instrument of any kind and make music with it whether he's ever made music with it before he didn't learn how to read music or anything he he says i just played around with sounds but the sounds oh okay are <laughs> he can write a song in a moment and so it's yeah. funny because i'm like a i have to work at it a bit and he's like it just he can play by ear pretty much anything on any kind of instrument, including a didgeridoo. And my uncle is very theory focused. And, yeah. um, and you, Sully, I feel like are very good at changing in between instruments. So I imagine it must come naturally to you. Uh, I mean, in ways and like there, there is a, a bit of my like, I, I, I suppose maybe I shouldn't use the word envy, but <laughs> like it's almost like. <laughs> I do envy those who can kind of like take sounds and, 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 or the sounds that they want to hear, for instance, like saying you just wanted to be like uh Godspeed, you black emperor or something and, and being able to figure that out and make that happen. Um, I, I would say that I, yeah, between instruments, I have been pretty good in the sense that I think playing bass sort of helped me to sort of, you know, go in between because then when i got a guitar i was like all right well there's two new strings now and now i play more chords and but i already have some of the technique from bass so now i can play finger style oh like 
for a lease from Beethoven's not that hard, you know, like I would, you know, so, so I kind of had that. Um, but for me, it's like, uh, we'll mention keyboards, uh, any kind of electronics or any sort of manipulation of sound, like using programs or any kind of, um, you know, uh, pro tool or any kind of recording. I am completely, absolutely like incapable. <laughs> Maybe I just don't have the patience or something, but I just, you know, it, that part never came naturally to me. That is always a part I've either had to, you know, have someone else do or like I kind of just get lost and give up on it. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember in his studio recently, uh, Maurice, uh, one of our good friends um, in his band, Blues Funeral, they, you know, I love this instrument called the Mellotron. They wanted more of it. They had it. Maurice had written Mellotron parts for this song. And why did they ask me at the studio? Like I was just hanging out. You know, why <laughs> they asked me like any opinion or, you know, I don't know, but uh, they did. And I remember thinking like, man, I wish this could just be like those records in the seventies where it's like kind of loud and like upfront and, you know, and I was using these like words to describe it, but I had no technical know-how. And then, yeah, one of the, you know, other guitarists, Jan walks in, he's like, oh, here, you know, crank this knob, do that, put this here. And then all of a sudden it sounded like exactly like I wanted it. So it was oh, like, nice. That's awesome. yeah, so, I mean, he did that, but I, I had no way of like knowing how to do that or how to bring that forward or express it or anything like that. So uh, kind of yes and no. I mean, I've always been able to kind of, yeah, take an instrument with some strings on it and sort of fiddle around, uh, though I haven't still quite figured out how to play the banjo, even though I got one. Uh, <laughs> You know, my mom's boyfriend gave it to me and I'm like, I really am thankful for it. But at the same time, I'm like, I think they expect me to like, you know, straight out of deliverance play like, <laughs> you know, some sort of banjo solo, which like, you know, Appalachian music's like the shred of, you know, folk music in America. Those guys are insanely talented and can play, yeah. you know, all kinds of things really quickly and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, no, nah, can't quite do that, but. I kind of, you know, can maybe fool around on it for a little bit and kind of create something that's, you know, s sort of interesting, you know, given enough time. But I mean, yeah, I mean, well, picking up bass, actually, bass was more of a natural fit in a certain sense, because like when I learned that you could play it with your fingers, I actually felt more comfortable doing that. So I would say that was the kind of natural part for yeah. me. Wasn't necessarily like, oh, I can just learn all these scales and stuff. Though what I would do is like, you know, I'd watch Maurice or I'd watch guys on YouTube, just rock stars in general and watch like the runs they would do. And I would just kind of mimic it. And of course, I wouldn't get all the notes right, but I'd eventually kind of figure it out. And so like I kind of used a little bit of my, you know, ear to be like, oh, this is this is how this goes together. And this is how this fits in. And yeah, because I was a terrible student. I mean, I, I was, you know, I have books full of notes and theory and, you know, chord, you know, all that. And I've seemed to have forgotten a lot of it over the years because I haven't practiced it, but you know. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like that was, that was probably one of my favorite things when I was, uh, you know, a little less busy um, in life, but I would, uh, I would like to watch, you know, music videos or, you know, people just playing and just really watch what they're doing and like hear what they're trying to do and, you know, try to latch onto something that, you could sort of tweak and say, oh, I'm going to take this little piece that they did here 
right because i really like that idea and i'm gonna you know make this whole other thing out of it and yeah. uh, that was always fun for me no it's like yeah same thing like learning how to do like a pinch harmonic like you know on bass that's a lot you know it's it's not quite the same so i was like on a guitar i was like oh what do they do and i just remember like zach wild really like just wiggling the hell out of a string (laughs) (laughs) just i was like all right well i know harmonics like when you you know hit the you know string and like kind of mute it but not totally mute it you know let it ring out but the harmonic pitch that's what that is and so now i'm just gonna like do that and then really quickly bend it or something and maybe it'll make that sound eventually yeah it it ended up doing and i was like oh that's so that's how you do that move and now I'm like the most annoying guitarist in the world because I'm just going to go harmonics all day. It's like it's like when you first learn how to palm mute or something. You're like, you know, it's just like it's just I'm just going to create the chunkiest like you know riffs ever, and that's all I'm going to do. And some bands have done that done that very well. So I'm not saying you know. You know, if that's what your go-to is, that's that makes me the most annoying guitarist. But, but a pinch harmonics in the hand of uh, myself, yeah, that was probably pretty annoying for a little while. But uh, I'm glad <laughs> I learned how to do it. <laughs> yeah, my uh, a friend back in high school, he's the first friend that I had that had a half stack, and he, I don't know what pedal he had, just some nasty distortion, and um, I was playing around on his uh, his rig, and he let me just crank it up and like palm mute yeah i just felt so tough (laughs) oh yeah you do it's like like i could feel my beard growing yeah (laughs) it's like i i totally feel the whole like yeah like hardcore breakdown ad nauseum like mad mad ball crow mags kind of like you know that's like that's i still love it i still throw on oh yeah quarrel or something it's like yeah i want to i want to feel tough i want to do that you can't not do the chugga chugga yeah (laughs) yeah or if you or if you talk to yeah we keep mentioning this guy maurice his his last name is he's like part swiss german so (laughs) egg and uh so the egg man egg boy you know we call him like all sorts of things we'll have him on the podcast one day he likes to do (laughs) yeah we'll have to get him on but we like to make sounds of like that really like pig squealy death metal. Like we go E G G G E G G. Like basically just say egg over it or spell out egg over it. And that's like what that really crunchy riffing sounds like. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. Weegee, weegee, squeegee, squeegee, E G G. You know, that's kind of like the three noises in, in those types of bands. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, so, man. <laughs> I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> yeah, it was basically, it, it did music, it was music difficult for you. Okay. you, know? <laughs> you know? And so, basically, we just kind of extrapolated on that. Um, <laughs> but I guess, like, I mean, the thing, you know, kind of reeling it back in, reeling in the years. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, I forget who sings that song. <laughs> Has a great guitar part. Um, yeah, I mean, how we talk about the busyness of life and stuff like that. And so I guess, I mean, your love for music probably never fades, but I think with some people, it kind of does in a way. I mean, we all have our like favorites and kind of 
oh, I like music from the 90s because that's when I grew up or that's my favorite. But I guess how have you maintained your love for music over the years? Um, Because many people, I don't think, explore new music past a certain age and place. But you guys seem to sort of keep up with stuff that's going on and, you know, things like that. And how how does that work for y'all? I think that we honestly got really lucky because we're friends with people like you and lots of other music focused Mm. people um and we will and i met because or we didn't meet because of music but we met in the middle with music being a common yeah uh, a common thing that we both love even though we we actually like very different music that gets lumped into the same genre that's a story for another it's like very, <laughs> it's we're going to have it. lots of niche jokes <laughs> in here. No, we won't do that. Um, but it's just, it's always been one of those things. I, I've had lots of hard stuff in my life and music has been kind of the thing that is like a stability for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I prioritize it. And I actually, there are times when I don't and I feel like if I was to be able to zoom out and look at the times in my life where I wasn't prioritizing music, you would see clearly there's like a huge low um, (laughs) and I sink into a pretty big funk. And all I really need to do is either pick up an instrument or turn on a song and it will, it will change me. I also, we have kids, we have lots of friends who have kids and stuff who they can't go see bands play, but we just don't believe that. So we, <laughs> we make it a priority. <laughs> we go to shows and we find new, I find new music all of the time. Spotify helps. Yeah. Spotify is freaking amazing for busy. <laughs> we run two companies and, and it's just, I, it's, it's an interesting question because I feel like it's never been an option to me to not be into music because it's so much part of my identity and it is what, makes me happy is that a good answer that i think that's a fabulous answer (laughs) (laughs) did i do absolutely fabulous (laughs) praise me just kidding (laughs) i need reassurance super 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 Hey, noisy people. Will here with Mutual Noise, and I wanted to awkwardly interrupt this episode and let you know about a powerful go-to tool for songwriters of all levels. It's called Song. It's a songwriting app, and we made it. It gives you the power to write using theory, even if you don't know any. It gives you the freedom to come up with new song ideas wherever you are, even if your instrument isn't handy. And it lets you hear and see exactly how to play what you built out. To learn more, visit mutualnoise.com song. Download it today and find out song that's inside of you. Okay, Will Swain. Oh, um, I would say, hmm. well, a lot of the finding new music for me um, just comes from social media because I I follow accounts that put tracks to like videos. Um, <laughs> I don't, don't want to go into too many details on the videos because some of them aren't <laughs> necessarily like good for kids, <laughs> like the <laughs> star ones. You find music <laughs> world star videos? Yeah, they have like good rap songs that come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they always have really good rap songs in those videos. <laughs> but it's like fighting and stuff, so I can't, I don't really want to talk about it too much. But, um, <laughs> yeah. 
don't know. <laughs> it's a thing. It's all right. Um, but yeah, no. We that, find me unlikely. There's certain uh, areas where I can go to find uh, n- good new music. I've got my standbys for if I just need to do a certain activity, like if I'm just heads down in design. Like I've got, you know, certain bands that I put on. Um, if I'm, <laughs> you know, feeling spicy and wanting to just drive around for a bit and listen to new yeah. music, then, uh, you know, Spotify Discover seems to send stuff my way pretty well. Um, yeah. We also yeah. run a music company for songwriters, which helps us. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like, you know, a big other part, just going through Instagram and, seeing all these people out there creating all this new stuff and man, so good right. <laughs> so much yeah. good stuff out there yeah that's now that and that's that's the other thing is just like they're i almost don't understand how people could not listen to stuff you know because there is so many different avenues and ways to to hear music now um you know and and without going into like the history of everything you know but it's it's like yeah i mean basically if you want to know if like something like dungeon synth exists out there yeah you can search band <laughs> yeah. for that or you know and there's a playlist of like guys <laughs> dungeon synth it's like <laughs> it's like a real thing so if you're out yeah you're wanting to know what that sounds like you're intrigued i i promise you there's playlists you know, so. <laughs> the other thing too is is to me music is a way of having community and every single person that you know in the world listens to music like i can think of a bunch of things that we don't have in common besides like everybody breathes and everybody hears music in some way and i just i feel like i naturally want to be around people and music is the way to have a conversation with somebody even if you don't agree on anything and and i'm like like there's a community of people who like dungeons and like <laughs> what in the world? Right. And that's like true. I, it's uh, there. There are literally dozens of us. <laughs> there are dozens of us. <laughs> to, to quote uh, Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, there is clearly more than dozens, but actually, in it, you mentioned community, and it and it's true. I mean, I've. And I mean, whether or not it's just friends like that, you know, it's it's disparate and all sorts of, you know, musical genres. And I still have friends, of course, in other things. But after playing with Scroll Keeper and, and playing, you know, in a metal band for like the first time in my life in my 30s, technically, I mean, always liked it, but, uh, you know, never really like a number of reasons. Probably I was like not as confident either but anyway what having that has opened it up like quite a bit the whole reason i know about that type of music is because there's this band uh, eternal champion uh with a guy that we know and their uh singer he he uh he's like he does like literal blacksmithing like he lives like i think somewhere like near austin uh but he like makes you know he has an instagram account and he makes uh um you know swords and different like you know pendants and different That's stuff <laughs> and anyway he's really into like you know these really high fantasy books and stuff which i you know i'm i'm not i mean i'm like still stuck on lord of the rings you know that's like as about as high fantasy as i go but the uh um 
no, he's just really into all that stuff. And this music is like based like on this kind of like austere sort of like if you were a creating ambient music for Dungeons and Dragons, like this is what it would sound like or something. And it's just kind of so like I know from that community, like this little thing that they like to do with just synths, basically, they are metal dudes, but they are making, you know, this kind of like, I don't know, it'd be like, it'd be like some artist making chill wave stuff or something. It's like, nah, you play in some like punk band, but all of a sudden, like, you're gonna make this, you know, really relaxing yeah. stuff. It's like the same sort of thing, I guess, for these guys in Eternal Champion. And that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh now community is always like a big, big driver in that too. And for the same reasons, when you're like, you know, oh, I can't do this or I don't want to do it, almost your friends sort of force you to. (laughs) (laughs) With Scrollkeeper, I mean, I know my initiation into that was kind of like I think it was at a Queen Strike show. It was really in and our friend Jan, who I mentioned earlier, who helped you know, one of the more technical side of their album, like putting the Mellotrons up that I mentioned, uh, him and I, you know, got to a little drinking and he told Justin that I play bass. And then he was like, all right, we'll try out tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, sure. And of course, like he texted me the next morning, like, Hey, did you go, go try out? And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it ended up working out. So. <laughs> it really go did. Community. You're the greatest metal band of all time. They are, yeah. That is a. Uh, tr- oh, we don't have a trademark yet, but it is something we've emblazoned on yes. the back of our shirt. Uh, <laughs> I wear. But that's uh, Man of War does similar things, and look at them. So you know. We'll, yeah, uh, Chelsea's we'll Chelsea take- Scrollkeeper shirt has seen many a cities now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, our guitarist is like Bulgarian too, so like there's like a brewery in Bulgaria that like plays our stuff oh, that's sometimes awesome. and makes shirts. <laughs> so it's like. I always say Bulgarian World Tour 2020 or something. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Good call. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. So, so one day, yeah. Hello, Sophia. Yeah, it's like we're gonna we're gonna play Sophia and we're gonna rock. I need it. backstage passes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you guys want to go to Bulgaria? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's it's really you know there's there's something nice there. You know, it's like there's something you can do. I'm sure so. <laughs> oh man well yeah i guess is that all of our questions no it's not actually <laughs> but i'm trying to yeah i'm trying to be like well now i feel like we're just having a conversation <laughs> and if i just add you know some sort of question into it but i guess uh let me just shoot uh because i have a few more and i can probably kind of consolidate them but uh I guess what non-musical things has have inspired your music? Uh, what gives you the jolt of creativity or the inspiration to write? Movies, soundtracks, you know, things like that. Of course, soundtracks is music, but I know for myself, like, uh, you know, certain artwork, of course, sounds very simple. But I mean, just you know, people who aren't music, but they they have, you know, painted pictures or they do art or they you know, certain events in your life, of course, are always going to inspire you to maybe write music. And I don't know, is there anything maybe living in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon that is like, oh, the way the fog settles very creepily over my house. 
I'm going to write some dungeons in, <laughs> in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> I'm totally one of those people. Honestly, my, my dream job someday, or right now, there's no such thing as someday, is I like yeah. to make soundtracks for things. And, and I process, so I'm a, like, I, I process music through the lyrics first. Um, and then the sound, I don't necessarily hear the different instruments until like the second listen, but I hear lyrics first. And like, <laughs> this is going to sound sad, but usually I feel the urge to create music when I'm very sad and, and I kind of have to go into a sad place to write lyrics or yeah that's and sometimes the lyrics are happy but I have to be in this like melancholy state to do it and I'm working on on that so I really get inspired by trauma flatline your emotions I have to (laughs) yeah yeah and I mean honestly the Pacific Northwest is the perfect place that we we got our piano back like right when we got here I was like I want my piano we were shipped we shipped it from Houston things like that because this yeah the overcast does it really does I do like the way the fog moves through the trees up here it is cool yeah yeah chase the fog here Um, (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah but I I I think of things I feel like I see things like a movie all the time um Mm -hmm. like in my life I feel like life is actually very long and slow because for some reason I know but but in a good way like like I see everything like it's being filmed yeah yeah and that's how I create music that's that's awesome and I I can't say like I do the exact same thing but no I do think of like scenes sometimes and like oh well if I were to make a movie or something like what you know would you know accompany that scene and and even parts of me have thought before like well maybe i can't play like in a band i can't play like funk or i can't play like you know this but maybe i could do film score in the sense that like oh i have a visual and then like i can create you know tension or mood or something if not create like a super awesome melody like you know the beatles could or something it's like maybe that's not where my music talent lies but maybe it Maybe I can still at least convey a mood or an expression or a feeling, you know, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that's that's totally, totally legit. And, you know, even Houston as kind of, I've, you know, I'm not railing on Houston or anything. And sometimes I do and I don't. We kind of have a redheaded stepchild. What's up? (laughs) We're all all allowed to since we're from there. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, sometimes there is like, there's always, it seems like the grass is greener. It's like, oh, you know, well, it's so flat. It's so, and it is. And, you know, like they think the highest point in Houston's like 60 feet above sea level. Um, <laughs> the lowest points like either at or below. Um, so it's there's like, a, the grass I mean, there's is literally greener. <laughs> yeah. But the cool thing there is like well in houston of course being as expansive as it is and i guess close it's it's sort of on the crux of a lot of different things it's like you've got like east texas like if you go north you know even in the heights there's like tall pine trees and conifers but if you go like to downtown it's like there's a big muddy bayou it's like there's there's all sorts of landscape it's like the convergence of like coastal plain and like you know 
you know, hill, hill, not hill country, but like the hills of East Texas and those green forests and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, there's, and there's just, there's, you know, something, something about the sprawl that can, you know, kind of also make you want to write music, you know, you need to write a song about this. (laughs) <laughs> the conversion feel... of coastal plains and all of us native yeah. coastal plains and coastal plains and conifers there you go oh yeah no, well and that's what i thought is like sometimes i feel like oh well if i ever write music maybe it'll have to be about like nature like specifically like not even in a, like back. a poetic sense like yeah. i'm gonna be like you know uh talking very specifically about like <laughs> terraform and like you know sort of like <laughs> landforms and all that stuff and it's like yeah that, you know this this will be pretty boring to listen to it's like a lecture <laughs> with someone playing guitar Somebody this is not what like i wanted it. yeah someone might like it this is the geography yeah. portion elementary, of our podcast go to elementary schools <laughs> right <laughs> okay will swain very what very layman's geography answer? my answer yeah for what what inspires you to um hmm Outside of music, so music or yeah. what inspires me to write that's not music? Uh, just things that happen, I guess. Um, Very detailed. I know. <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> things that happen. That's okay. No, yeah, just you know, moments in life, things you see, things you do, things that happen to you. <laughs> Will writes uh, the instrument part and not. So yeah, like Chelsea is like very much into the lyrics first. I'm the total opposite. <laughs> like I, I still don't know the lyrics to some of my favorite songs because I just like the way they sound. <laughs> oh, it's and I, no, and I, meaning I, that I, the uh, yeah. that the writers originally had is probably like very different for whatever I'm getting from it. <laughs> he sings the song "The Gardener" to our daughter to sleep for a very long time, which is about he knows the words, but he doesn't know what they're. I never really thought about him. I just, I like the way it sounded. And yeah, I was singing yeah, it right. to Leona to put her to sleep one night. And Chelsea's just laughing at me. I'm like, what are you laughing at after I got her down finally? And she's like, have you ever actually like paid attention to the words in that song? I'm like, not really. She's like, he's basically just like burying her suitors. <laughs> it's a song about the dad murdering any guy who dates his daughter. Oh, wow. so, I'm, so, like, I'm going to see that to her for a <laughs> That's awesome. No, and I, I, that's, that's, and, and I'm with Will on it. Like, mostly I just like how things sound. And like, there's really no particular reason why I like certain lyrics sometimes. But I do sometimes get on the Chelsea side of things where like, oh, that, is, that speaks to me. And that's, you know, I understand the lyrics and I like what they said and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, a lot of the times, I mean, unless it's like Rush, for some reason, I know a ton of Rush lyrics. <laughs> like, uh, I think we can all agree. But that's there. just because. Yeah. Getty, Getty Lee is just, you know, uh, just, just yelling them. And like, I guess you can't forget, you know, someone who's talking about like subdivisions or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Or like, you know, airport call signals. You're just like, this is strange. Somehow really melodic and poppy and fun and hard rock and almost metal at the same time and technical. And, you know, yet these lyrics like, yeah. It's amazing. Can we interview Getty Lee on this? I know. Oh, I hope he'll so. be on episode be... two. <laughs> Actually, oh I mean, what I've from what I've seen, I mean, Rush is pretty friend. I I think the most fan friendly guy is probably Alex, their guitarist. He's been on like Trailer Park Boys episodes, and he's done like 
I don't know. I, I kind of see him interacting the most uh, as far as like, you know, doing the fun stuff. But they, yeah, they seem like a fun group. They're just like kind of guys who don't really take themselves seriously. And, you know, that's, that's kind of refreshing to watch awesome. for a band who's been around for over 40 years, you know, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, no, I, I, yeah, lyrics are like kind of secondary for me, some, you know, in, in, in many ways, but there are things that I latch on to and like, you know, like I said, Rush, <laughs> you know, that I know more of their songs probably than a lot of other bands lyrically, but, uh, <laughs> lyrically, I probably yeah. know most Garth Brooks songs. <laughs> Hey, that that works too. I mean, I I have like not a, I've tried so hard. I've tried, I've well maybe not so hard, but I've, I've <laughs> maybe not so hard. To, maybe I've tried to be open to country, and it's just like I respect the art form. I respect a lot of the people who play it, like and especially because being on the instrumental side of things, like actually country, you know, they're still bands for the most part. You know, whether it's like poppy or whatever, it's like. They still got guys that can play. Like, I respect that. Totally dig it. All those guys are great musicians. It's just somehow, and I think it's the subject matter and the sounds. It's just like, that just doesn't gel with me as much. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow, some way. Uh, But yeah. Did Chelsea ever send you uh, Tyler Childers? No. You might like him. No idea who that is. (laughs) I think you'll like it. Actually, I will say I liked... um, I mean, like, as far as bigger names and, like, I'm late to the game. Well, maybe not late, but, like, I I know Chris Stapleton. Like, he's really awesome. But that guy has soul in his voice. Like, there's others about his delivery and the music he plays. And I know it's country, but there's also, like, a lot of other things going on. I like that. Uh, Sturgill Simpson, of course, is kind of the more, like, he's kind of wild as far as country goes, too, you know. Um that's not to say I don't like some like rambunctious like knee slapping like blues or like honky tonk like I think that's that's another thing it's like country in general like maybe not but like someone says honky tonk I'm like yeehaw <laughs> I want like you know <laughs> and uh yeah and actually and it comes out in other ways too because like even the band Yes for instance like obviously not country but Steve Howe their guitar player so many country licks within like a progressive rock band. Like there is like that guy is like, you know, in the middle of like a yes song about like Marlins flying out of the sky or something, you know, some sort of weird, like progressive lyrics. It's just like, but yeah, in the background, you can hear Steve Howe going like, you know, and stuff. No, I'm serious. Like I've even, I've even talked to other guitarists about it and they're like, yeah, Guys, you know more than me, so like you, you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what I'm right. Yeah, okay. yeah, and they're like, they're like, nah, dude, you're right. Like he, he's, yeah, he's he's playing like countrified, like progressive rock, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, and it's just, yeah, it's like he just has a kind of knack and a style that I recognize. Like it's like, oh yeah, you're doing all this other stuff, and these are rock riffs or these are jazz things, and but it's like, nah, there's like a twang of country in there all the time, and so. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to ask, well, I'm going to finish up with, I I think, this question. Um, So, have you ever felt a kinship to the players of a certain band or group? For example, have you ever heard a song and said, 
man, I would have written the same thing or learned a song and it just felt so effortless and easy to play because it felt so right to you. you know? Oh my gosh. This is like me all of the time. I don't yeah. even know how I would pick one thing. But yeah. I feel that, but I think it's because I'm a lyrics person. Are you talking about playing mm-hmm. songs or just when you hear it, you're just like, oh yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's just, I, I just feeling a certain kinship for like, there's certain players, for instance, that even though like I'm super inspired by like, say Getty Lee from Rush, like I can't play like him. I just don't, he's on another level. You know, I don't know what it is, but there's other guys like, uh, the band Opeth, like Swedish, you know, progressive, sometimes death metal, not quite anymore, but used to be anyway, like their, their primary guy, Michael Okerfeld, like eh, the way he writes riffs and how he plays, I just, for some reason it, it's, it's not like it's super easy stuff, but it, it comes more naturally to me than like Getty Lee's stuff. You know, it's just you have a certain kinship or you feel a certain way like towards a band that like you hear that song or you learn how to play that song and you're like, Oh man, I could have, I, I should have written this. I could have written that. You know, it's like, this is how, this is how I like, you know, this is how I write stuff or something. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of an odd question maybe. For me, lyrically, uh, there's a band called sleeping at last and actually the entire Mm -hmm. way that he composes music with putting together different pieces of, um, of n- not just insurance, but noise and things. That's exactly how when I start thinking of a song that I want to write, I don't think yeah. of it. Um, I think of it in layers like that. And the lyrics are more story based. And every time I listen to one of his songs, because I think of things more in concept instead of chorus, I guess you would yeah. say. Um, sure. And I, and I, there's quite a few bands like that for me that I'm like, if I was to write, like if I was to write an entire album, this is exactly how I would do it. So whenever I think of learning it and I can always tell because songs like that, when I feel like a kinship to it, I can hear how I would play it on piano in my head. And yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, and the, and I'm not a play by ear person. So when I hear right a song that I want to learn and I can already kind of hear how I would put my hands in a piano to play it. Then, then that's, that's like a big tell for me. Nice. Yeah. I think I would probably, I'm going to answer it two ways. I think like, cause if I'm playing, I remember, I remember like instances of learning a song that I liked and it just clicking like, um, yeah. There's a couple of Counting Crow songs, uh, like Incubus, that Pardon Me acoustic one. I really like the way it sounded, and like I went to go try to play it, and it just clicked. Um, yeah, yeah. And but listening to music, there's you know obviously a handful of bands that um, I'm assuming the feeling is almost like really comforting because it just makes sense to you as you're hearing it. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, this. If I were to be in this band, this is you know. Uh, there's a chance that I could put something out that's, you know, that has this vibe or this sound or something like that. Right. Um, right. Yeah. There's, there's definitely bands uh, that I'll listen to that just get me in that type of mood. Like Mandolin Orange is a big one right now for me. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I haven't found a bad song by them yet. <laughs> um, I like, I like all the stuff they put yeah. out. Uh, yeah. I, there's, you know, <laughs> it's probably a long list of, 
bands that I could just feel comfortable listening to. Um, I don't know. I just remembered, it just came into my head. I remember sitting in my room when I gotten, I had just gotten an electric guitar for my 16th birthday. And I learned how to play So Strange I Remember You by Thrice. And it was way above my pay grade as a guitarist <laughs> at the time, but I could, I played it with, within like 10 minutes. I had learned the yeah. entire thing. And it's funny because like with other, it's like definitely that style of song that yeah. I was talking about earlier, but like, I can still right. hear it. Like I remember the feeling of just saying like, I nailed this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So awesome. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's exactly what I mean. Like when you just, you know pick up something and it's so like fluid and effortless almost you know um because and it may just you know be because it's that good of a song or something and maybe everyone can do that but it's i almost feel like it's like there are certain things that we can do and we have a kinship or a you know sort of a connection with that artist that like makes it that way um I mentioned, yeah, on guitar earlier, like for Elise, like not saying I have any kinship towards Beethoven, but it's like that little etude thing, <laughs> so easy for me to play. And like, I understood it like immediately, like when it was being played. Um, so it's like, yeah, stuff like that. That's, that's really all that question was asking for sure. It's like, you know, just, you know, when you picked up or when you heard this and you thought to play it and you're like, yeah, this is, this is almost scary because I feel like I would make that chord change or I would do this. You know? I love that. Like that made my, me think. I really yeah. like, that was a good question. I like that question. He'd ask that question for everyone. Yeah. In interview. That question is officially out for anybody who listens to this. Put <laughs> up on uh, at Mutual Noise Instagram. Yeah. We want to know. Hell yeah. I want to know. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's because I, I, you know, and these are the kinds of things that like, you know, kind of get me into Cause I always feel like, Oh, well, you know, even if it's a super technical player, like I'd like to ask Getty Lee, a guy I can't seem to crack any of his ribs, like, who do you have a kinship for? Yeah. You know? And he's like, Dolly Parton. And I'm like, good, me too. Great. We can <laughs> play Dolly Parton stuff together. <laughs> I love Dolly Parton. I uh, know. Will does love yeah. Dolly Parton a lot. Chelsea got me tickets to go see Dolly Parton when she came to Austin, and it was amazing. Yeah. She was like a tiny floating angel on the stage. Yeah, she was, was so sparkly. Uh, she, yeah, she's, she's sweet. She is cool. <laughs> And I, as a guy, as a guy who kind of decried country earlier, I, I mean, you know, Do Dolly's an exception. No, you don't get to say that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare you? You sit outside while Dolly plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Order wacky I'm on would the not <laughs> Man, this is good. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. I'm excited to see where this goes. I feel like whoever listens to this just listened to like a phone conversation we all had. Or yeah. <laughs> just us hanging out. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> this is amazing. We, we. I mean, we were pretty good for the first twenty minutes. I think. <laughs> maybe trailed off, and then and that and that. But there's pieces, you know. There's there's good stuff yeah. in here. It's okay. Yeah, it's but a good they, get to know you. This is episode. who this is who runs this company. So I yeah. mean, I feel like yeah, you get to know us. We didn't talk about how hardcore I am yet, but you know that'll come in later episodes. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> later episodes. We're gonna talk about how hardcore we are. You know? Everybody, get your list of best breakdowns ready. Yeah. Yeah, how many times I've pulled a muscle because I'm old and I'm <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that about wraps it up. Uh, once again, I'm Will Sullivan. Um, I just um, interviewed the co-founders of Mutual Noise. 
Uh, they are bringing a, you know, which brings a musical lifestyle brand, uh, creates community and educational tools for writers and music makers of all kinds. And uh, all of us at Mutual Noise believe that making music will make you happy. So please make more and uh, we'll see you soon.